Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Tokyo on Fire. Today is March 27th. I'm joined today by Michael Chuchek and Dr. Nancy Snow. Michael Chuchek is adjunct professor at Temple University's Institute of Contemporary Asian Studies. He's also the author of Shisaku, the foremost blog on contemporary Japanese politics. Dr. Nancy Snow is two-time Fulbright Fellow, and she is an Abe Fellow currently writing a book on Japan branding. She's teaching at Keio University's Institute of Media Communications. Today's burning issue is the local elections that started yesterday that will go for several weeks for an election that will be held, what, in two weeks' time? There are certain time frames for governor's elections, for local assembly elections, for mayoral elections, but the first kickoff was yesterday for governors. The reason why this is a burning issue is because it gives us a barometer of a lot of things, how Abenomics is doing, how the current policies are being received, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. There's a lot of things that are in, involved in this, and I'd like to just engage the conversation. Remember, our podcast is downloadable on iTunes, and you can also watch it on YouTube. YouTube is particularly helpful because it gives us boxes for providing comments, and that's really one of the reasons why we're doing this to engage a wider discussion on these issues that we feel are critically important. So I'd like to kick off by going to Michael and talking about the gubernatorial elections that kicked off yesterday. The gubernatorial elections, there are 10 uh, prefectural elections that are going to be held. Nor, when these unified local elections, and that's the name in Japanese, were first established by the United States occupying forces, they were in fact unified. All prefectures, all assemblies, all cities, all had their elections, their local elections on a single day. That fell apart soon after uh, the occupation ended. And now only a small fraction, only about 20% of all elections are held on this special, during this special period. It's actually not just one day, it's two days, April the 12th and April the 26th. The Gubernatorial elections, which were the, the candidates were announced yesterday, uh, that will happen in only 10 prefectures. And in this case, the, the elections may not be as vital a barometer as we would think. Basically, there are 10 elections. Of those, only two will feature the LDP running against an opposition candidate other than a Communist Party candidate. In all the other elections, the other eight, there's either a communist, and that's the only opposition, or what in six of them, there's going to be a special what's called Ainori, uh, riding together candidate, mm -hmm. where the LDP and the DPJ and the Kometo and sometimes the socialists, sometimes other parties come in and all support a single candidate. So that all the parties are basically being chicken and not really going out on a limb and putting in their own candidate to fight somebody else. They're all piling on one candidate and saying this person's the person who's basically being appointed to go either be elected or re-elected. A lot of horse trading happens in the process of coming up with a candidate to run in any of these elections too. Yeah, but in this case, governorships in Japan, people serve for long stretches of time. In the one place that there is going to be a, a contested election in, in Hokkaido, uh, there is a three-term governor woman who's going for her fourth term, and she's challenged by a DPJ challenger. She's an LDP candidate. Mm -hmm. And 
you see governors being elected twice, three times. Four times is sort of iffy. There's sort of a, a curse on the fourth time for a lot of governors. Mm -hmm. But you, you see them serving long, long spans in office. Uh, it, it's, it's a great job. And uh, people are generally don't get very angry at their governors. Mm -hmm. So there's really not a lot of controversy involved, which is one another reason why the uh, parties band together to support a single candidate, because it's really not a place where aggressive behavior is rewarded. So there are 47 prefectures. <laughs> Ten of them are having a, an election for governor this year. Right. Next year, there will be another gubernatorial election for another block well, of... Well, there'll be gubernator there's gubernatorial elections happening off right. cycle all the time. Right, and the we governors have, serve for approximately four years. They serve for a fixed amount of time, and whereas in, in back in 1947, they, they all started, their clocks all started at the same time. All the clocks are now different, and mm -hmm. people died in office, right. were forced in off out of office in scandals, resigned to, to move into the upper house or the lower house of the diet, and everything is all off schedule. And the off scheduling, you would think that would there would be some kind of popular unrest about it or, or, yeah. or dis disquiet about it because it's, it means that there are elections all year yeah. long. Yeah. There's an election every weekend, right. basically, somewhere. And, mm -hmm. and many places have two elections during it. It's, it's madness. But for the party in power, particularly the LDP, it's perfect mm -hmm. because there's no way for an, an opposition to be able to fight all over the calendar. You could concentrate your forces on one day, but to be going all over the country all the time to all these different places, it basically sure. favors the incumbent and when the incumbent will just continuously be reelected. Re sure. Here's my thought about the elections, because I really am not well versed on gubernatorial elections in Japan. I don't think there's any public unrest because I think it's public indifference. When you have elections all the time, in a way they sort of become like background wallpaper. Mm -hmm. You see the pictures of the candidates here in Tokyo and they're just, after a while, it's sort of like poor advertising. You just don't notice it. So I, I wonder if there were... If there were something there, maybe if they educated the young people about being involved in the civil process from a young age, since I know Abe is pushing mm -hmm. for more patriotism and nationalism, um, maybe that would make a difference. But it just it just seems like there's really no great interest. But the, you, in it would politics. run immediately. It would run immediately into this systemic problem of mm. constant elections mm -hmm. and the. the uh, the interest in the elections are are very very small. Mm -hmm. Right. They are the, the, though it's very important for the politicians. They're tweeting about it. They're writing on Facebook about I went to this place. I went to this place. I voted. I, I, I talked to this guy. Uh, basically, it, it's it's a game for politicians right now. Mm. That doesn't mean that the the issues that some of the elections are are handling are unimportant. There are a lot of big city mayor elections and small city mayor elections where there are real issues, particularly having to do with nuclear power. Mm -hmm. mm. And that's the big one in Hokkaido. Now I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. In Hokkaido, uh, the LDP governor is in favor of the restart of the Tomari nuclear power plant. Mm -hmm. And unsurprisingly, the television announcer, DPJ, 
candidate okay. is dead set against it. Not only are they set, dead set against that nuclear power plant, but there, there's a power plant in northern Aomori Prefecture, right across the straits from Hokkaido. And at the very, very northern tip, which is completely uninhabited of Aomori, they're putting this nuclear power plant, which is perfect for the people of Aomori. Mm. But uh, the, the space across the Tsugaru Strait from the city of Hakodate is 20 kilometers. And the city of Hakodate is 250,000 people. And they're not going to get the power. And if anything ever happens, they're the ones who are going to get hit. And that power plant is a huge, huge central government, local government problem because it spans two prefectures. And in that election in Hokkaido, it's the nuclear election. Mm -hmm. So that is going to be an interesting election for the entire world to look at right. because it's a talking about the restarts and also simply having nuclear power at all. So while these, the interest level in most of the local elections, and we'll talk a little bit more about the incredibly low interest level that it is, uh, there are some interesting places. Mm. Right. Well, one of the points is that they collect all of these elections to happen on a certain date. Or in, ideally. Ideally, right? Um, and, and they divide it up uh, th throughout the year, or maybe every year, um, uh, Governors are going to run, or a portion of governors, a portion of assemblymen, a portion of mayors, right? Yeah. And they put them into one election campaign period because hopefully more people will vote if it's like that. You're going to vote for governor, you're going to vote for the mayor, you're going to vote for a couple of assemblymen. That's right. And what hurts is if the weather is inclement and then the voters don't turn out. Well, it's and April. Well, you know, it's we, we have the cherry blossoms blooming yeah, right now. It's out. a good so time. It it should should be a good it's time. a pretty time to be doing it. It is a good time, right? Okay, but it sometimes it, it goes bad. Yes. <laughs> um, typically, in the, the elections that are going on now for governors, and we'll talk about the the other elections that are going on, only two of them are really hotly contested. Right. And the reason why we're watching those closely is because they potentially are barometers for what the regular population is thinking about the future, about Abenomics, about the nuclear situation, about what's going on in Okinawa, that sort of thing. And, and that's because they have a choice in those two prefectures. Mm -hmm. Only two out of 47 are they going to, on April the 12th, have a choice between the, the LDP and somebody else who can actually possibly win. Yes. Two in the, out of 47? <laughs> well, no, only 10 that are being okay. held this okay. time. Okay. Only but, 10 are being happening, but, right. but, but uh, it's yes, a barometer. It's a, but but, but yeah. it's a barometer of, that's really narrowed down into those two prefectures, which are prefectures that are traditionally, traditionally Hokkaido is a DPJ stronghold, mm -hmm. and Oiza is... To, has been for decades the Socialist Party stronghold. So they're not mm. really testing anything. But then, of course, in the prefectures that are dominated by the LDP, there's really no point for opposition candidates to even try. So the only people who try are the communists. Are the communists. So let's talk about the communists, okay? Because <laughs> usually in a, from an American perspective, you mention the word communist, it's very pejorative. It's got lots of negative connotations. And here in Japan, that's not actually the case. No, they have they have a, a solid voting base of six million people approximately, and they are frequently the only people you can vote for if you don't want to vote for LDP. And so they are the protest vote. Mm. They pack 
they put a candidate in every single election, don't they? Yeah, they put a candidate certainly on, on, in when they have the national elections. Mm-hmm. They pay the, the deposit fee even though they know they're going to lose it. And that's one of the things that, that keeps political participation really low is this deposit fee that you have to pay for every single uh, place that you run. For example, if you run for a House of Counselors seat, the deposit is 6 million yen. Mm-hmm. Wow. If you don't get 5% of the vote, you lose your deposit. And the communists lose their deposit on practically every place they run, but they run in every place because they have a fantastic money-gathering machine. Akahata. Yeah, the Akahata newspaper, which allows them to be always at least contesting. Mm-hmm. And it, you got to give them credit for that. They burn a lot of cash just to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. And that you, you and f- for that alone, they're really funny communists. Yes. They are. They're the mascot. <laughs> they're funny. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't they have a relatively new mascot? I haven't you know, seen like, I had I had heard this in the last couple of years. They came up, like all the companies and all the prefectures. The mascots are really the mascots. popular these days. Well, the Communist Party has its own, too. I'm wondering what that That shows be. up, yeah. Okay, well, it's not a um, blood-sucking It was written uh, about in the Wall Street Journal because the foreign press kind of gets a kick mm-hmm. out of the Communist sure. Party candidates here. And as you say, they are colorful. And I'm wondering, with my American mind here, if the Communist Party serves the function of none of the above sort of candidate, as you say, with the protest mm-hmm. vote. Frequently, it's the only woman running. In, mm-hmm. If there are multiple candidates... Uh, they have a great um, youth movement and youth wing, so their candidates are generally younger than the, candid- the other candidates. In, in, if you look at the gubernatorial elections this time around, there are 70-year-olds running uh, who are the main candidates, and then they're running against 40-year-old and 50-year-old communists. Mm-hmm. So it's not a career killer to run as a communist? No, um, yeah. and in fact, a lot of the intelligentsia <laughs> is collected in the Communist Party. I mean, mm. a, a lot of PhDs, a lot of academics, oh. the, um, uh, most of the teachers throughout Japan are in fact registered communists and, and vote and receive the Akahata newspaper and, and contribute to the, the dynamics of the political machine. Well, so this is not Soviet style. No, it's not so, no it is not Soviet style. It's, and, it's, and, it's so, it's, in, in Europe it would be a social democratic right, party. Right, that's what it's sounding like, right. yeah. But they are called the communists, and they they do follow a form of Marx-Leninism. Uh, uh, the, the in their ideolo- in their eventual ideology. We right. don't know when the revolution's going to come. <laughs> right, and it's not going to come tomorrow. It's basically we once what had saying. a pretty vibrant communist party in America sure. too. I shouldn't be so surprised, but mm-hmm. it it would be a career killer today to yeah. run as a communist. It's like running as an atheist mm-hmm. in American politics. Well, that that kind of darkness isn't isn't painted. Over the communists here. Yeah, and, and you're bringing up atheists brings up the other organized party. The communists are really organized, mm. and they're able to get out their voters and encourage their voters to go to the polls, even though they are going to lose. Mm-hmm. The other party that is really organized, and it's insanely organized, is the ally of the LDP, the Komeito. Mm. And for them, the local elections are the most important elections. Mm. They... For the national elections, they actually limit themselves. They assign themselves, we're going to win this many seats and no more. Mm-hmm. And they structure their votes. They get their voters 
to vote in such a way that they meet their targets and they don't go any further. Mm. They, but for the, the local elections, they go all out mm -hmm. because they really feel that they need to uh, show their organization and to show their numbers and to demonstrate internally to themselves that they are indeed a huge force, which they are, mm -hmm. which is why the LDP is even with them. Uh, they are basically the, the party for the Sokagakkai religious organization. And sometimes there are people who say, oh, don't even say that because, you know, they're crazy. They're not crazy. They're extremely organized. And they're, they <clears throat> assign themselves voting as a religious a activity. Or they do, yeah. And it is for them, for, for some people, there should be a separation of church and state. For them, going and voting is a religious act. Mm -hmm. Religious organization is, is, is political organization and vice versa for them. Mm -hmm. And that makes them extremely useful to the LDP. So those two parties will work very hard for each other in the, in the local elections. But for particularly here in the Tokyo region, where the Sokagakai religion is registered as a religious corporation, they're going to go all out and they are going to make sure that we see how powerful they are. Mm. Let's talk just a little bit about the dynamics of the election campaign. Uh, for a lot of people who live in Japan and who are listening to this podcast, uh, there's probably a little bit of questions about how it is done and what are the, what are the dynamics. And um, in the neighborhoods, there will be a large plywood board that is cut up into squares and the candidate's picture is up there. And that's one of the ways that, in fact, you were mentioning about getting children um, more um, attuned to the election process. Mm. You cannot miss it here mm. because mm. number one, all of the, and they'll be in certain, uh, certain spaces throughout, throughout town, uh, the, um, the posters for these fellows. And the way these posters are designed is very regulated mm. and how many characters that are going to be appearing on the poster. Um, but also the, uh, the sound trucks, the oh, trucks yeah. that repeat the candidate's name over and over and over again. But uh, the thing that's probably more important for the purposes of our discussion is um, the prime minister is also the president of the LDP. That's right. And typically during election period, he will say, we are going to win so many seats. And I, I predict that we're going to do that. And when he says that, that sets the the mark for the campaign. And if he doesn't shoot and hit that mark, many people say, well, you should fall on your sword because you didn't hit that number. Oh, there's certainly no question about that in a national election. They, they, the first question that any journalist asks the prime minister when he dissolves the diet is, okay, so what's your win-lose line? Mm -hmm. How many seats? But here in the, in the locals that are coming up, these, the, the elections are, again, on April 12th and April 26th. In all these local elections, the, the commandment is just win, baby. Mm -hmm. you know, if you're LDP, win. Well, yeah, everybody knows that's the rule. Uh, and Abe, when he, had the, when he was speaking to his party in the party's convention, said, follow me and we'll do fine. If they don't do fine, and it's a possibility they, they won't in certain contested elections like the Hokkaido and in the Oita gubernatorials or some of the mayoral elections, there are going to be some mayoral elections on the 12th and the rest of them on the 26th. If a lot of LDP candidates get whacked in this for various reasons, 
primarily having to do with the economy, but also having to do with nuclear issues, having to do even with the security. Revitalization of the local areas. That's, that's a that, huge. That's huge. The, the revitalization yeah. of the local areas is. I would think the biggest. Is the biggest for them yeah. because they think economics hasn't worked for the local areas well, at and, all. And this is the local elections. I mean, there are mm-hmm. ten governors that are also running, but really the meat and the bones here are in the in the uh, regional districts. Well, yeah, the 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 uh, the, the minister for rural revitalization, Mr. Ishiba Shigeru, has been seen by a lot of people in the local the local officials of the LDP as having fumbled in this initiative that has been going on mm-hmm. to try to revitalize the region of course, of course these initiatives have been going on for 30 years mm-hmm. you know it's, it's every single prime minister has his rural revitalization mm-hmm. plan and always has and if there are a woman prime minister she would have hers mm-hmm. everyone has one Koizumi I think, had five different ones during his five years. Each year he had a different one for, for reviving the regions. It's a chronic thing, and it's going against a huge trend in Japanese society, which is depopulation and a lower number of children. And Can I just hold on to that thought, though, of a possibility of a woman prime minister? Because somehow I think if you had a woman as the head honcho in this area, you would have more people doing things to actually revitalize the rural areas. But, Maybe but, but, it's my own sexist mm. <laughs> bias, but I see I could see someone really challenging the and connecting the two, uh, the central. So much is so centralized here. It's all Tokyo. It is all or, Tokyo. Right. And I, I just wonder, a lot of the attention that Abe gets internationally is on these centrally based issues here. The rural revitalization doesn't play much mm-hmm. overseas, is my That's point. Right. Yeah. He's not going to talk about that when he goes before Congress at the end of April. Okay. Yeah, but you, the problem with the woman prime minister story, which is a, a favorite story of the journalist saying, who's, who's the most likely first woman prime minister. The thing is, you need seed corn. You need a lot of women in politics okay. and, and right. to start off. And they, yeah. they go through local assembly to mm-hmm. prefectural assembly and then maybe to national politics. Mm-hmm. It's a desert out there. Yeah. In Baptism terms, by fire they, eliminates but, but most of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. limit, but they have to be there. You have, And they aren't in, the, mm-hmm. in, in local the, the, the numbers are appallingly low. Mm-hmm. Here in Tokyo, the Prefectural Assembly is one quarter women. Mm-hmm. And it's the highest of any assembly in Japan. Uh, but if you go to Nagasaki Prefecture, the Prefectural Assembly is only 6% women. Mm-hmm. And then if you go down to the lower levels, to the city assemblies, to the municipal assemblies, then you're going into to really stunningly low levels. 23% of the municipal assemblies, of all assemblies in Japan, have no women in them at all. Mm. If you don't have any women there, you're not gonna have any women rising up. Mm -hmm. And that's been the problem. Well, I mean, that's completely mirrored in the corporate world as well. I mean, how many women occupy board positions or senior uh, executive positions? It's it's really, um, really skinny. Well, that turns the whole women shine on its head a bit, doesn't it? Because we had the World Assembly for Women that Mm -hmm. I attended in September 2014, an Abe initiative that the prime minister hopes to keep going here. 
and there were women from all over the world who came. And, and Mr. and Mrs. Abe actually did a terrific sort of PR move in that they attended and went to all the breakout groups and shook hands with people, and it really impressed these international visitors. They really did great. But when you look at the numbers that you show, mm-hmm. the sort of women shining, again, it's not percolating yeah. across the whole area here. But it's better. It's still better than the corporate world in the political world. Oh. Uh, the average number is 11%. Uh, in terms of women uh, in, as assembly members, which mm. is not bad mm-hmm. compared to, if you compare it to, let's say, higher upper executive positions right. in That's corporations, right. it, it, it's it's still a little bit better. But it's, mm-hmm. it's a long way from anywhere where you're going to be seeing a woman prime minister as anything more than a token. Mm-hmm. Not, not that that is not the case throughout East Asia. Mm-hmm. We have had many women prime ministers. We have a woman as the president of South Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in many cases, in fact, all that I can think of, they were either the daughter of someone mm-hmm. or the wife of someone. Mm-hmm. We have in East Asia women leaders. We have not had one here in Japan, but in all the cases, it's been a family dynasty issue. Right, exactly. And, and still here too. Given the dynamics, you need to be the top of a party to actually throw your hat in the ring. Right. And, you know, for the next couple of years or decades, I think, even within the LDP, there are very few candidates who really could throw that much weight. But Mr. Abe has to be given a lot of credit for promoting women in his administration and in the bureaucracy Mm -hmm. in a way that no prime minister has done ever before. And he even has two protégés, Ms. Inada and um, Ms. Takaichi, who is the minister for internal affairs, those two women are seen as future prime ministers, at least by themselves. Mm-hmm. And, they, and Ms. Inada caused quite a stir this, this week by saying, my goal is to be prime minister. And everyone's saying, okay. Wow. Uh, <laughs> because that, that's it's kind not, of showing ambition seems no, yeah, a little it's, un-Japanese. It's, yeah, right? it really is. It, it, not only just for women, but for men as well, mm-hmm. to say, my goal is to be prime minister. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. She must have just let that slip. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's the policy research chief, and she's been pushing a lot of radical things and getting into the limelight Mm. a lot. So maybe she just got ahead of herself. Mm. Mm. Well, also, I think I agree with you that uh, the prime minister needs to be congratulated. Michelle Obama just visited last week. She was pretty much tied up with uh, Aki uh, mm-hmm. Abe, Abe mm-hmm. who is the prime minister's wife, and she spent three days here, I believe, before traveling to where did she go? She went to Cambodia. Cambodia. Right. That's right. And uh, talking about empowering um, exactly children, mm-hmm. especially young girls in education. Right. right. And women are a big issue in local elections here in Japan because of last year's Masuda report, where the a former governor of Miyagi Prefecture. Uh, Mr. Masada, he and his uh, think tank put together a report looking at demographic trends in the local areas. And what they found was appalling. They found that in vast areas of Japan, by the year 2040, they will be at least 50% fewer women of childbearing age than there are today. Mm. With just a few decades away, we'll have towns which have currently have a hundred women of childbearing age, they'll have 10. Mm. It'll be collapses of fecundity and, mm. and, and, and the ability to produce children that are 
unprecedented in a country at peace and a country without major uh, illnesses or any like alcoholism in, in Russia. It's simply they're going to disappear. Mm -hmm. And these people are very much affected by what happens in these April elections. Mm. Right. Because it's, this is when they choose their leaders, if they choose them. And that's the other aspect. So depopulated and so uninterested are people that there are large numbers, 40% of the, of the mayoral positions will run uncontested. Mm -hmm. There will be either be no candidate or the incumbent, the incumbent will be just automatically rechosen. Mm -hmm. There won't even be an election. And the winner is. Yes. That's right. 10% <laughs> of the assemblies, there will be no election because there are more seats available than there are candidates running for them. Mm -hmm. And there are towns that are now abolishing seats in their assemblies to try to get down to the number where there'll be at least, you know, maybe an election, get it down to if there are six guys running, well, then we'll have five seats so they could have a little game of musical chairs. So this is an argument for more foreign imports, right? <laughs> yes, kind of. Yeah, we've tried that though, haven't we? Well, it would certainly, if there, are, jo if there are jobs available, they should be filled by somebody. Yes. yes. Mm. And there's, there are jobs available in the local areas. People don't want to run. They don't want to, if, if, if there are two candidates, one of them's going to lose his deposit probably. And who wants to lose money in a hopeless endeavor? So for many, many of the positions that are open, there are, I think, 1,788 assemblies there are going to be about 300 that right. are just, just go on, mm -hmm. go as, as you were. Uh, so for, for outsiders, outsider Japan, they'll say, if the Japanese don't care, why should we care? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> well, listen, one of the reasons why it's such a great pleasure to have you, Michael, is because you have such a depth of knowledge and, and information on, on these kinds of things. I mean, you are a policy wonk's policy wonk. And um, the reason why I'm buttering you up is because uh, the next issue is is rather delicate and um, complex. It's gerrymandering and the proportion of voters per seat and the constitutionality of that. And we've been talking about that in the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said it is, it smells unconstitutional, but. Mm -hmm. And there was a decision just last week that, yes, it, it looks like it's unconstitutional, but. The high courts in all the the, the regions, the judicial regions, are all considering cases having to do with the last election, the election in 2014 on the national level. Mm -hmm. And these high courts have been delivering their verdicts for the last few weeks. But this last week, we had a decision for the first time from the Fukuoka High Court saying this election was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. But don't hold a new one. Mm -hmm. uh, don't there, We will not agree with what the plaintiffs want, which is to have a vote where all the districts have the same populations in them and each person's vote is worth as much as, ever, as anybody else's. That's not going to happen. But that one court said it was unconstitutional. Most of the other courts that have ruled so far have said they, they've got a little fiddle in Japanese. As you said, smells unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. They call it, you know, iken go jotai, the uh, it's a state of unconstitutionality. 
It's not unconstitutional, just a state of unconstitutionality. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that And that has a certain smell to it. That it does certain, have a certain, certain smell. <laughs> and it's not a good smell. <laughs> yes. And it's right. not a good smell. But as long as you have declining local areas who are dependent increasingly on government contracts, protection of their industries, you're never going to get an agreement saying Oh, yes, and we shouldn't have so many representatives representing us mm-hmm. in the central government going for the pork on our behalf because, yes. you know, we don't deserve it. <laughs> it's, that's just not going to ever happen. Well, the numbers now are in the, the most populous district, and it's in Tokyo. Right. They vote and get one, candid, uh, one member, one seating member per vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the, the, the mathematical calculation is. but it's, it's 2.14, so that a person who lives in the smallest district in Japan, it's as if he gets two votes. Wow. He gets 2.3 or 2.4. Well, it's, 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 it, right now it's 2.1, but with every, every year the disparities grow and you have to constantly read, rewrite the boundaries, mm-hmm. but they don't do it very often, every five years or so, and they don't do it very much. Mm-hmm. They, they did a really really cheesy fiddle this last time, which was to drop the five smallest districts entirely so that there are no longer 480, there are 475 seats. And since they dropped the five smallest, then the differentials Mm -hmm. fall within the constitutional Mm. guidelines. Mm. So not the the boundaries weren't really redrawn, they just said... It's not like gerrymandering, it's more like a, um, a collectivism. Yeah, but, it's a, but it's a, it is a gerrymander. It's mm-hmm. a gerrymander in that you, you have boundaries being drawn that do dilute the capacity of, of, of opposition parties to be competitive. Mm-hmm. It, they're, they're crowded into one area, and then all these other funny-shaped things are all around them. Right. And they, do, they do that, of course. Most elected democracies mm-hmm. do. But here, it's, it's the competition between the prefectures. And that's very hard to disengage. And that's why the governors are so important, is because they, they, are, they are mediating this. And the, the, the biggest demonstration of the importance of governors on, on relations between the national and the local is what's going on in Okinawa. Let's oh, talk yeah. about Okinawa. Right. There's been a lot, of, a lot of action there over the last couple of weeks. There's been some protests. There's been some filming of protests. There's been some arrests of protests. It's, it's really starting to bubble. The governor just said to the central government, I withdraw the approvals that you had to lay those, uh, those drillings. And uh, the, strangely, the government ministry that's opposing it is the agriculture ministry, which can give or take away the right to destroy coral. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. It is supposedly going to be Judging whether the governor's action is legal or not, they'll obviously say that it's illegal, and then the, everybody goes to the courts. Mm-hmm. What was really interesting, though, for perhaps foreign observers, and, 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 and I really want to hear what Dr. Snow has to say about this, was the dismissal of the Okinawa-based U.S. Marine spokesman for leaking right. security detail information and, and, and video from those protests taken by U.S. forces, and he passed it on to ultra-right-wing Japanese news mm-hmm. organizations. That's Eldridge? Yeah, Eldridge. Yeah. Right. Well, I, <laughs> I have become more aware of this situation. He has a background. He's an academic. Mm-hmm. He was at 
University in Osaka. And he came on board with, it sounded like a, a, a good idea to sort of seek balance, to try to uh, dispel some of these sort of enemy images mm-hmm. that were taking place. He had been impressed working with the military on an, a different occasion before he got this appointment. And he saw a lot of discipline in the military. And he, he thought this image of the military is not getting out into the population in Okinawa. So let's see if we can bring groups together. So it sounded great on paper. I think what he found is that a lot of the right wing activists sort of co-opted him somewhat, and that sort of tainted his ability to be seen as a as a neutral. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not going to be neutral entirely serving as a military spokesperson, but I, I think originally the intent was very good. The reason he was dismissed is because he got involved in talk shows and then, of course, uploading a video. He used the words referring to the protesters as a form of hate speech. Mm-hmm. And it just came across as too extreme. But I, I, I think it's uh, it, the the original effort there was was a good one. But, but, but how does a, a, a professional get involved with some of the the most unsavory parts I know. Of, a, of a country? Does, does this happen anywhere else with with U.S.? I mean, you're you're a you have a career right. in, in information management on a national level. You, do you, has there, have there been other cases where the officers have become sort of co-opted. absorbed mm-hmm. and co-opted? Oh, sure, sure. I think this goes on. And I think in this case with Eldridge, it was in, in part due to the probably kind of chilling effect that some of these right-wingers had on him. They, they probably intimidated him somewhat into giving him, giving him the um, feeling that he should give them their, their time on the air, have a, appear on a talk show with them. There's a but, talk but show. But then he must have found that they were great friends because he started to share. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where, again, he lost his, his neutral or his, his objective vision. And I think it's because he allowed himself to see them as, oh, well, these are pretty decent people. And so maybe some and of their And they're pro-American. And, right. they're, and, they're, right. and those uh, protesters and are, are anti-American. pro-U.S. <laughs> military there. So again, it got, it, it got sort of muddled. This happens quite a bit when you have an activist minority, which we know that you do have here with the far right mm-hmm. people. And you have to be very, very careful not to get co-opted. But I, I think it's, uh, I don't know what he was thinking to go on the uh, the talk shows and the... I think the, it was probably part of his whole performance, what he was doing in his role as he saw pr- protecting and, and projecting the, the issues for the United States military on these Okinawan issues. And I think he was just pursuing that to the best of his ability, and he, he, he got schnookered. I think in providing this access, it was with a, a desire to soften the, the, the root and also to, to get more active involvement from his, what turns out to be adversaries, and I think they just burned him. Right, right, I well, think the, that's well put, actually, there. Yeah, but it, it, he, he drew a lot of attention to himself. He sure because, did. Because oh, when, when there would be barbed wire fences and the only camera crew going inside the fence 
was the one from the Sakura channel, the mm -hmm. far right. Uh, it's not even really a channel. If you've ever I seen, I love the name. If, yeah. yeah, I know. It's, it's a, well, anything having to do with Sakura, <laughs> and this is Sakura season. Exactly. Yeah. They only last for a Let's few. Let's soften the image. It's a, it's nice and pink, but it also, of course, has this image of death because mm -hmm. they only the, the petals only last for a few days, That's and then they're the scattered. The nature, yes. yes. Well, Sakura is always associated with the right wing. Oh. And right. one of the the uh, for those of you who like to do conspiracy theory stuff. One of the two main groups that supported Abe's return to power was a group of very powerful executives called the Sakura Society. Uh -huh. Well, maybe he didn't know this. <laughs> but I do think, again, like you said, that when you're trying to work with different groups, in Okinawa, where things get so elevated, it's really sure. hot politics, hot potato politics all the time. Um, and I think, too, he, he did get a lot of attention and sort of ego gets mm -hmm. involved in the best PR should be sort of behind the scenes, mm -hmm. and I, I, I think he, he, he was well, out there. Specifically, what was his violation? He, he gave security camera video that was taken by, US, by the U.S. military, military from within the, within the, the military base, and it would, suddenly appears on YouTube uploaded by a, a right-wing activist yeah. in okay. Japan. So he took the film that was shot by the security the cameras camera and that showed that showed an arrest being made by the military, the first time that Marines had actually taken action to physically grab and arrest some protesters. And the guy was a professional agitator. Right. And known to, known, known, to pro them. known yeah. professional agitator, many times has been in the trouble with the law. Mm -hmm. And somehow he, he managed to, there was a, there's a yellow mark, right? Line. It's not, you can't miss it. He somehow stepped on it. And like if you're doing the high jump, if you step on the mark, it's disqualified. He was disqualified, and the Marines jumped sure. on him and it got him. And that's what the security cameras showed. Mm -hmm. And there were, of course, the activists in, in, in uh, Okinawa saying that the American Marines ran out and grabbed this they guy. They manhandled him, and, and they touched him, and people were going, oh, I'm, I'm dying, you're and, choking and, and, me. And, then, and when, when they were, he was immediately turned over to local authorities. Local authorities put him in jail, and the activists surrounded the jailhouse in one of these, you know, let my brother go, yeah. chanting scenes. Real, real theater, mm -hmm. right? And I can understand that he started saying, look, first, take a look at the video, video. that we that's have. Right. That's right. They, he stepped over the line, the Marines did their job and they turned them over to the local police. What's the big deal? And that's what nailed him. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's sounding, it, it's sort of an effect coming out of the United States with what's oh. going on with the police and protesters, it, almost like a Ferguson like effect. Mm, well, there's I, a parallel. There, there, there's a little bit of a parallel. There's, there's, there's this underlying current that these protesters are all paid. They're, they're Chinese, they're communists, right. they're, they're just paid agitators. And I grew up in Okinawa before the reversion of the, the island back to Japan, and they would have these massive, massive uh, protests. Mm. They would do a snake dance that went for miles, wow. and thousands of people, and they would, they would approach the, the gates of the, the military installations. Mm. That is not today. Mm -hmm. But um, there's been a long history of this agitation and get out, U.S., get out, Yankee, go home, give us back our land. And I think that probably um, the, the incident now is he was trying to explain and justify the actions that were taken were not overly aggressive. Everybody knew what the rules are. You're supposed to stay back. You cross the line and we have to protect the U.S. bases. But, and, but 
he leaked secret information. Mm -hmm. And here in Japan, we have just recently had the passage of the Secrecy right. Act. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very sensitive thing. Now, so, and the channel that it ended And the on. channel that yeah. it was. Right. So it, 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 it was really iffy. But getting back to the elections, the fact that there is this crisis at all, or at least that it's so, so hot, is because Mr. Onaga won as governor against the candidate that the LDP and Mr. Abe personally sh showered all of their attention and money on, his predecessor, Mr. Nakaima. Nakaima lost to Onaga, who ran on a strict bases out of Okinawa ticket. And Onaga, he's not some radical. Mm. He's an LDP member. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he said, they've got to go. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And the LDP, uh, the government under Abe, blew it in supporting Nakaima. They put everything they had into it, and he still lost. So Onaga feels, I'm the democratically elected leader. I can challenge the national government. And even though my predecessor gave approval, too bad. The legal right to decide these things is in the governor's hands, mm -hmm. not the national government. And the national government wants to, to say, yeah, but it's already decided. You, you can't go back on a decision as if that's some kind of legal mm -hmm. argument. Right. And that's where the courts are going to get involved. Because I think Onaga's very persuasive on mm -hmm. that point. Well, some people would disagree with you. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed that, I mean, as he said, I'm democratically elected here in Okinawa. It's, it, it just seems like Tokyo is not handling Okinawa, probably hasn't handled it well for many, many years. But they're getting further and further away from feeling any mm -hmm. connection to mainland Japan. Yeah, in the ca case of local elections there and the national election as well. Last year we had the very important Nago election, which is where the base is located, the city of Nago, mm. at the Henako base. Uh, the, the replacement base for the much very dangerous Futenma base mm. that the United States would like to close, Japan would like to close, Okinawa would like to close because it's right in the middle of a city. Literally, there are houses right up to the fence right. of a place where there are aircraft going up and down every few minutes. It's an insane situation there. And moving it at least to Henoko will at least eliminate the safety problems. But the Abe administration pushed hard for a pro-base candidate in the Nago election lost. Mm -hmm. Push for the pro-base candidate in the gubernatorial election, lost. And then, to make the point extra clear, the people of Okinawa threw out of office all of their national LDP representatives. Mm. Just wiped them out. And even for the first time since the district elections were established in, in 1993, elected a communist to the district seat. That's how ticked off they mm -hmm. are. And they now have a, they have a hammer in their hand, and that hammer is the governor. And everybody's watching this. I mean, yeah. it is it is not an over exaggeration to say that this is a hot issue mm. for for the whole nation. Mm -hmm. And this is why the local elections is a burning issue for us today. They lost in Okinawa, and now the next elections are coming up. These are the next elections after that defeat. And I guess the theory is, if the LDP loses again in Oita or in Hokkaido or in both places, then that's a bad signal for the Abe administration. That's a bad signal for his policies of security, national defense, um, all of the things, the third era of his, his policies, probably 
they're going to lose a, an awful lot of wind. I'm, I'm going to ask Dr. Snow's opinion of this. The, the seeming proof that there's real danger in all of this, to me, is that Abe partisans are leaking to the press the idea that in September, when Abe faces the presidential election for the LDP, he's the president of the LDP as well as the prime minister, that he will run unopposed. He's, uh, nobody's going to go stand against him. I would think that if you start talking like that, you're scared. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I would agree with that. I mean, he's got another election. We just had a snap election yeah. Yeah, in but December. That's for the, yeah, but, the, but every three years, <laughs> yeah. unless they resign, the, the uh, prime minister, in this case the LDP, has its presidential election. And really there are no candidates against Abe. But there's no reason to say this. Right, Unless you're right. afraid. That's right. Mm -hmm. well, I would say they might be a little afraid, except for Mr. Abe goes to Washington. I'm so intrigued by this. So yes. now the date has been set, isn't mm -hmm. it? April 29th. And this is a huge deal for him. And I wonder, I would love to know if you all think, in my mind, I'm thinking it, it can either go very well for Abe or very, very poorly. For some reason, I'm not seeing it as just being, eh, okay. Because mm -hmm. this is uh, an effort to really put him truly on the global stage the way he was when, of course, Japan won the Olympics. That right. was a big deal. Uh, but there isn't a whole lot of Olympics talk now after the win. But that came from a speech that he gave, and he showed up there in Brazil, as you all recall, and said... Uh, he didn't say mission accomplished, but he he said there is that everything's under control with Fukushima. So mm -hmm. now we're wondering uh, the, this this speech in Washington. This is going to predate, of course, the, all the other chatter about the 70th anniversary speech. And oh, by the way, this week in the press, it was noted here in Japan that uh, there's a split now amongst the advisors, the Special, uh, special Advisory Council, oh, yes. yeah. over the wording of aggression, uh, Japan's behavior in the wartime era, was it aggressive or was it defensive? Or, Protective uh, pro or yeah. was it just something Promoting that everybody Asian else was doing? Promoting Asian unity versus being very, very aggressive mm. and occupying and, uh, you know, the image more with the comfort women, so, for mm. instance. We should do a podcast on that sometime, Michael. Well, we should, certainly we should. <laughs> right. But in terms of the Washington speech, yeah. I, it's really interesting. First of all, he'll be the first Japanese prime minister to address both houses huge. of Congress. It's, it's huge. It's really, you, when you think of all the different other world leaders that have right. addressed right. Right. The, the, the Congress, that it took Japan this long, yeah. and that it's this guy. Yeah. Right. Whom, well, the, whom the U.S. allies, the South Koreans, are pushing so hard to be persona non grata in Washington. That's right. that's right. And when you think of how active and how numerous Korean Americans are in politics, mm, huge, that right. the Congress and, and Mr. Boehner have decided to invite Mr. Abe, mm. even though in several districts, particularly Republican districts, mm. Korean voters are really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very um, active. That's, it's, it's an extraordinary demonstration of either one political blindness, and I don't think it's that, <laughs> but two, the geostrategic importance of Japan. Yes. Mm -hmm. That the world as we now know it is, is a really dangerous place and growing more dangerous. And it's not just China. Or, right. It's everything in terms of we had the, the 
We had, again, more terrorist attacks. We had the Tunis, I'm, not, I'm sorry, the, the Tunisia attacks mm. with, at, the, at the National Museum mm. there. Uh, three of the victims of the tourists were, were Japanese citizens. Mm. Mm. Everybody's tied into that war, mm-hmm. and Japan has a role to play in that war, uh, the war against terror, whatever you want to call it. That is something that Japan is a part of, and this speech is a recognition, I think, of, of Japan's real contribution to the, to world peace, to world stability, that has heretofore not been recognized. Mm-hmm. Can, there's something else, too, that happened, well, it was last week, but Bill Clinton was also here, and I didn't see that that got a lot of attention. Now, maybe he was here with his Clinton Global Initiative. Mm-hmm. I know he gave a speech at Waseda University and Ambassador Kennedy opened and a huge crowd there. But as a international statesman, whatever you think of him as president, he, I, I just thought that there might be some meetings with the government. That mm-hmm. sort of surprised me because he's a big deal internationally wherever he goes the heads of state or whoever's in office would be meeting with. Well, I imagine president. he. I imagine he had um, his own meetings. He I, essentially has carte blanche. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he wants to see somebody here in town, I mean, other presidents have come in, mm-hmm. and they have a great access. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know actually that the president had been in town, see, but I've handled <laughs> I've handled uh, presidential visits of other former presidents, mm. and frequently. They come in at the invitation of some corporate sponsor. I think that and, was the case and here. Right? They speak at these events, maybe a series of two or three events, and they get a nice piece of change for that. Oh, so yeah. they are somewhat. Well, the um, Clintons are good at that. The, no, Bill Clinton is is <laughs> obviously Hillary and Bill Clinton. <laughs> well, but, Bill, it, but but I don't. I can't think of the Japanese corporation that was sponsoring this. Uh, we, for example, when Ronald Reagan left office, mm-hmm. he was immediately paid. I think it was. Over a million dollars by Fuji Sanko oh, right? to yeah. come well. to, to Japan. Sure. I mean, real chunk of cash. Mm-hmm. If we're talking cash here. Uh, this is some. So he may not have had a corporate sponsor, and that might be the reason why he didn't get to see any of the top members of government. I can pretty much guarantee you that if there was no corporate sponsor, he would not be here. Okay, it's expensive to fly him in. <laughs> he will fly in on a private jet. He will stay probably at the Okura. Um, he will come in with a delegation. He's surrounded by six secret service, and those need to be mirrored by six secret police mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. So he'll be here for a couple of days, probably four or five, get over the jet lag, have a couple of meetings on somebody's ticket. And, you know, y- y- you need to do that. And, um, and I think it's... That's, that, that's interesting, though, with the costs of bringing someone in because, you know, Michelle Obama got some criticism about... Air Force Two. That's right, Air Force Two, and then the taxi fare and going to Kyoto and all of the public expenses mm-hmm. involved with her visit here. So it's all it, politics, the partisan politics hammer never really goes away, does yeah. it? And yeah. it was probably Michelle Obama's visit that completely eclipsed the visit of former President Yes, that's Clinton. right, because again, sure. he's out of office now. But my point was that he's sort of at the level, I mean, he's he's really transcended his his party as as an international statesman. I have my issues with Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. but it just surprised me that he didn't get more attention well, when he was here. During the same period of time, there were also state visits, 
And yeah. you also know, you always yeah. know in, in Tokyo when there's a state visit because all of the telephone poles in central Tokyo hang the national mm -hmm. flag. And, yeah. and we, had, we, had, we had the prime minister of New Zealand here, for example, uh. here talking mostly about TPP, mm -hmm. Trans-Pacific Partnership, right. which is in a really fraught state and which also plays a part in these elections, the local elections, because of the agriculture lobby, mm. which, again, we have seen and we spoke in a, in a podcast about the agricultural lobby. Mm -hmm. Uh, has been reformed or is planned, there's planning to reform it under the Abe administration. So all these things coming up probably just buried the visit entirely. Sure. But I think the visit of Michelle Obama was a great move. It highlighted women's issue, is, women's issues, and it also allowed Akie Abe to showcase herself. And so there was some travels involved. There were some, some trips, like you said, to Kyoto and some state, they weren't actually state dinners, but she's not a, an official of the U.S. government. She is just the wife of the standing president. Still, you get a lot of... And of course, her visit in part was due to her not accompanying uh, President mm -hmm. Obama last year. So it, she was making up for that. And I, I think it was on par positive as well. And Mrs. Abe, I've said many times, is sort of like Laura Bush was to mm -hmm. George W. Bush. She has a wonderful softening impact on the prime minister. And she really seems to have her own mind and, and positions on issues, including the barriers there mm -hmm. uh, up in the uh, affected region, all those concrete barriers that have put in the mm -hmm. tsunami barriers. I love that she's outspoken on mm -hmm. these issues. She's, LGBT. Too. Yes, she's not that politically active, not no. not in, in comparison to Michelle Obama. But I thought it was a brilliant stroke because very shortly, the prime minister will be traveling to Washington D.C. and it wouldn't be wouldn't it be nice for the the wives to have a little I bit agree. more time right. together? And when we go to Washington D.C., it'll be more fun and we'll have a little bit more glamour. And when my husband speaks to both houses. Won't it be marvelous? And Michelle Obama might wear her flats then, yes. too. Right. Because that, that's an image, too. She's so tall to begin with, mm -hmm. and then she wears her nice shoes that, are, that give her even more height. And that, that always is sort of an off-putting image mm -hmm. sometimes when you have very tall. Uh, just to wrap this thing up, Michael, um, what kind of predictions do you have on the local elections as they roll out, as the numbers come in, as the seats are filled, what kind of impact, potential impact, do you think this is going to have on how people who are living in Japan, doing business in Japan, how that's going to have a, an impact on, on them? I think that the real question is what happens in Hokkaido. Mm -hmm. All the other places are basically a wash. Uh, and, and that goes for the mayor elections, whatever. There are some, of course, some businesses that will have specific projects having to do with specific mayors, there's an association, each mayor has his own set of pet projects that would that would make a difference for. But for the, the, the global audience, it's the Hokkaido election and the nuclear issue. Because everywhere else in Japan, where there are nuclear power plants, and they're located specifically far away from big cities, mm. well, for safety reasons, mm. but also they're, they're specifically located in communities which have very low levels of social capital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that don't, the neighbors don't get along with each other. They don't have a way of banding together and resisting. Those places, almost all of them are dependent on the nuclear power plant and they vote for it. And it goes all the way up to the 
the governor level. In, in Kagoshima, mostly LDP, all the way to the governor. Mm. In Fukui, where there are going to be, is going to be a decision, in Saga, all these places, there, there is a lot of support. In Hokkaido, however, where one of the major nuclear power plants, the Tomari plant, is one of the ones that's a marquee for the Abe government, if the governor there is in a no vote, it's a no go. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, I'd like to close up today's discussion. You've been listening to Tokyo on Fire. Today's burning issue has been the local elections that are now in full swing in Tokyo and throughout the nation of Japan. If you'd like to download this podcast, please go to iTunes or you can watch on YouTube under the incendiary name of Tokyo on Fire. On YouTube, you can add comments. Please post your comments to us via email at comments at Tokyo on Fire, or you can use hashtag Tokyo on Fire using Twitter. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for our update next week.